Hey everyone, how's it going? Welcome to the Know Your Gear podcast, live podcast, number 265. This might be the NAM edition. I'm not sure. We'll see how it goes. I have some stuff for you today. Uh, I'd say exciting stuff, but I have stuff. <laughs> It'll be exciting. It'll be exciting. Okay, so as you guys know, today is the first day of the summer NAM. So NAM this year is... Uh, Friday and Saturday. I think it's on Sunday too. Is it a three-day event? I couldn't even remember if it was Sunday. Obviously, I did not go to the NAM. I'll be talking about a lot about the stuff at NAM. So, uh, in the first part of this uh, show. But what's important is uh, why didn't I go to the NAM? Especially since I'm not that far. I'm about a six-hour drive. So um, I didn't go to NAM because I had to make a choice uh, for work scheduling issues. Uh, to pick one event in the month of June. I was invited to two things in June, and um, I, I didn't know which way to go with it, and I was kind of crunching it. Time, It's time. Time is my biggest uh, enemy. And um, long story short, I decided because of a prior obligation to go to the second event, which is Gear Fest. And if I haven't talked about it, I'll talk about it now. You guys, if you're a huge Sweetwater fan... <laughs> In other words, if you pay attention to their stuff, I think they posted stuff recently explaining what happened this year with GearFest. So as you know, last couple years, uh, last two years, GearFest has been virtual. Uh, so you just, you know, they don't, they don't let you, you know, they don't have the live event. You just go to their website, go to their YouTube channel, and then they were streaming live and doing all kinds of things. And I think the, what I got from some of the Zoom meetings I was in with them was with some other channels and stuff was, you know, it was good, but they thought, you know, they want to make it better. And this year they were a little afraid. And I can imagine because there's about 20 to 30,000 people go to GearFest every year. And their concern was they can't just plan that 30, you know, days in advance, 60 days in advance. They have to plan that way in advance. And no one knew what the world was looking like in January. You know, uh, you know, it was just, it was looking a little, a little scary still and uh so they basically said okay we're going to decide to do another virtual our virtual gear fest and they said okay how can we make it better so what they did is they invited 20 channels uh not just gear uh gear channels but like uh, our guitar channels like there's drum channels there's dj channels but they invited some channels um i was slotted to go in may last month on my own for a two-day kind of jaunt to, to do some videos and something we had talked about maybe uh, like inspecting and talking about the 55 point inspection and how that works and getting some details about that and just really kind of going through it with them for you guys. And, uh, and uh, then they said, well, there's this event. Would you like to go to that? And how it worked out for me was I'm going to the event just a day, I think early or maybe two days early. I'm going early. I'm going to do that video that I talked about and then i'll be there for the rest of the event which is two to three days and the main thing is is that there's a ton of companies there um but namely there's companies that weren't at the nam show so for instance oh i can tell you i think i can tell you who's going to be there hey you know what? i'll just tell you everything check this out uh here are all the channels that will be there there will be 60 cycle hum if you guys know ryan you know ryan ben eller um i'm tr- i'm really focusing on the guitar channel so you know brett papa uh dovidas Gear Gods, which I'm sure will be Trey from Gear Gods, uh, Pete Thorne, Phil McKnight, that's me, uh, Red Shaw, Rob Scallon, Robert Baker, uh, and Sean Daniel, The Tone Mob, Tim Pierce, and Pete's Diary. And there's a couple other channels. Um, I thought I saw, hold on, I'm missing one. 
Okay, there's Beats by Black, which I, is not a guitar channel. There is Casey Cooper. There is Cleveland Terry. There's Cubus. Cubus? I'll, I'll learn his name correctly when I get there. DJ Car- Carlo. I would have swore, Orlando Drummer, I would have swore there was another guitar channel. R. David R. I think that's it. All I'm seeing, that's all I'm seeing on the list. Okay. So, and then, but more importantly, like, you know, that's not the important part. <laughs> Who cares about that? What we really care about is the companies. And that's what I cared about. So if you guys, and we'll talk about NAM in a second. You guys know like half the companies that go to NAM didn't go. And when I saw the list that they had at this event, which they're building virtual booths. Uh, they're like, not virtual, real booths. They'll have real booths there to check out. And so here is the companies that will be there. Uh, Akai, uh, DJ M Audio, Pearl, Drums, Focusrite, Gibson, um, Pioneer, Universal Audio, uh, D'Angelico, Supro, and Pigtronics, Bose, Eventide, Yamaha, Martin, PRS, Personas, Marshall, Gator, Ashdown Music, Neural DSP, Diodario, um, Sure, Fender, and Specialty Fender, which will mean all the specialty brands, which is Gretsch, EVH, Charvel, Jackson, ESP Guitars, Ernie Ball, Music Man, Taylor Guitars, Sennheiser, Pasty, DW Roland, Boss, Zildjian, Rupert Neve Designs, Con, uh, Electron, Native Instruments, Korg USA, and, and Harmon. So a lot of a lot of brands will be there, and so. Plus, uh, you know, they just opened this year the largest music store in the world. So we'll have access to all that. So my goal is to go there and make as much content, just like when I go to the NAMM show. How much content can I make? Because, as you guys know, when you're making somewhere between $50 to $400 a video, because you don't know, right? The bigger videos can make you a few hundred bucks, and the smaller videos make you 50 bucks. Um, When you go to events like this, you want to try to get as much content as possible, because you never know when that content's going to hit and pay a better di- uh, dividend, you know, as you know, on this channel, I've, I have videos that are 3 million views. I have videos that are 3000 views and I have no control of when that happens. It just seems to happen. <laughs> so, um, uh, so anyway, so like I said, so I'll be going there to that event. That event is the end of this month. It's, uh, I'll be there on the 19th. I'm, I'm flying on father's day. Uh, that was the only day I could, uh, uh fly so i'll be flying there on father's day traveling and then uh, i'll be there for the week to the 25th and all the content will be coming out in real time and um and what else and uh that's it that's what's going on so i decided to go to gear fest and not to the nam but let's talk about the nam (laughs) because i know we got questions and stuff but i want to talk about a few things let's talk about the nam there is an overwhelming theme already to this year's nam and i'm going to share it with you guys and uh and uh, let's talk about the biggies. So, of course, uh, there's a lot of announcements that came out. The first thing that was announced was, of course, the new Tosin Abasi um, Music Man. So Tosin is not uh, shutting down his – I'm coming back to the pictures. Don't worry. Uh, he's not shutting down his company. There's still going to be the Tosin Abasi company uh, making his guitars. And then he's also got a signature guitar with Music Man. And uh, there's a video about that if you want to watch. It was really impressive. These are the colors they're going to have. And this is going to be private reserve. So a couple of interesting things if you notice. If you look at the pictures, you'll see interesting tuning keys. He's using the tuning keys like you used to see on the Gibson Firebirds and stuff. Really interesting. Tremolo system. This is a seven string. They look like they're all sevens. So they're all sevens. I don't know if there's going to be an eight string. This is all they've ever showed. And there's a little video you can see. And uh, 
So new Tosin uh, guitar, for sure. Let's go to the next one. And, of course, the next guitar that was a big announcement was uh, Rob Scallon is no longer with Chapman Guitars, and he's now with Schechter Guitars. Now, interesting enough, this looks exactly like two things. It looks like what is his Chapman look like, but it also looks like a Schechter, so I really can't, you know, say anything either way. However, uh, interesting that, you know, he's with Schechter now. I don't know what happened, if there was any kind of, uh, maybe they couldn't sell them, or I don't know what the deal is, or maybe it was time to move on, right? Maybe he saw an opportunity, but there's a new guitar, and this is where we're going to get to the theme. The theme is coming up. Okay, let's go ahead. Next, of course, is the new Pete Thorne standard guitar. This is a new Sir guitar. And uh, I wanted to show you this because it comes in a couple cool colors. Red, uh, it's got a blue, and this uh, like looks like, to me, it's like gold, um, like sand. But it's a beautiful guitar. But I, I have to show you this. There's a couple things I'm going to show you on the slides. When I saw this guitar, the first thing that came to my head was the golden session i was like oh it's the golden session is 769 made in canada it's a great guitar it comes actually in the same color if you want it and uh, they're different don't get me wrong they're different but they're not that different <laughs> so uh let me go back to me hold on back to me <laughs> so i can see what you guys are saying so interesting enough right uh so that's cool that uh that pete's got a second guitar and this is where i'm going to start talking about the the thing this is definitely a nam show full of signature guitars i have never seen so many signature guitars if you noticed everything i've shown you so far is a signature guitar <laughs> so far right so let's go back to it and where we left off here's the new pete thorn or that's the golden session the poor man's pete thorn guitar is what we're going to call that and uh then of course uh, sir also announced that they have a new james uh norbert norbert uh guitar and uh the signature guitar and then Oops, I made the wrong slide go away. Let me get rid of the this slide. Uh, then they they came out with a new uh, Ian Thornley signature classic T. Right again, another signature guitar, and so a lot of Sir, a lot of signature guitars from Sir. Then Ibanez announced a bunch of new guitars, and here's here's the one I'm probably this the most excited one. Of course, is the Ibanez Pia in this blue, and we're here, and it's because I'm a little biased. Here's why: last week I couldn't show you this i'm gonna show it to you now larry did the photo shoot with steve and the guitar uh and he obviously has these new custom utopia pickups that are blue in the guitar and uh he sent me this this beautiful photo but he told me on that note last week don't share it to the nam show because it's ivan is his guitar and we're not supposed to share it so that that's oops let me put that down okay um so that's new let's go back to it uh, and then, of course, what else is new is um, Tom Quayle's got a new signature gu uh, guitar. It's different than his other one. It's kind of like a telly. It's got a little mini humbucker and a telly pickup in there. Um, Nita Strauss has another color, another version of her guitar. Joe Satrani uh, has uh, a new gold. I'm sure it's limited edition. Gold chrome guitar instead of chrome. And this is what I said. I said there'll be a little bit of this today. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. Where did I put it? Oh, here. I'm going to show you a show, uh, close-up. So here's the gold guitar, uh, and of course, the blue Pia. And then this is a prototype Pia that they have coming out in the swirl. Um, there's no information about this. It just says prototype, as you can see right there, prototype. So it's for the 35th anniversary, uh, Steve Vai being with Ibanez. And uh, I don't know when or if that's coming out. I'm sure it's coming out. It's super expensive. But this gold one, as soon as I saw it, 
And I saw that. I couldn't stop. I couldn't stop thinking about. <laughs> so I was like, uh, I think I think Joe's been watching some Star Wars lately. It's possible, right? It's, it's possible. Um, and uh, anyways, I, lo- I love it. it. It's great. Like I said, this is all fun. But notice, like, all this is signature guitars. Again, signature guitars. Um, and uh, let's go back so I don't mess this up. Hold on a second. And, uh, of course, if you guys watched my video this week, uh, the Boutique Amp guys uh, came out with the Saldano Mini Head that, that we reviewed on the channel. And, of course, uh, they sent everyone at one of those amps. I have never, since I've been on YouTube, I have never seen so many channels get a product at the same time. Um, they sent it to me a couple weeks ago. I've had it for weeks. And so I'm sure that's what they were doing. They were sending it to me, or sending it to all the channels and uh, so that they could drop the video. The only thing I was told was I couldn't release the video until, of course, the second. So, of course, I had to wait like everybody else. And uh, it was interesting. My my big draw to it was, of course, um, the fact that uh, – let me go back. Oh, the fact that um, I already tried the other ones. So I was like, okay, I want to try this one too. It is – I can't, it's going to say, like I said, it's either my favorite or it's my second favorite with the Friedman. Those are my two of the, of the, of the bunch. I think if you're looking for the most versatile sounding of the four that came out, which is the Bogner, the Friedman, the Saldano and the Diesel, I think the Saldano is the most versatile sounding. I could get a lot of blues, rock and metal tones and a little bit of clean, but not much. The Friedman, you can get no real clean, just a little bit. And of course, you get the rock and hard rock and maybe some light metal um, and blues. But like I said, those are my two two favorites. Plus, they look the coolest of the four, which is a big part of that. A lot of people uh, embraced it. You guys bought a ton of them. I have affiliate links, so I get to see what you purchased. And Man, you guys bought a lot of them. I no wonder they made those things. Uh, we're all just a bunch of suckers for something fun and cool. And I have to say, I like to make fun of it, but it costs less than some Lego kits. So, I mean, obviously they're trying to tap into that market. You know, you can justify, hey, I can use it for practice. I can use it for a small gig, and it's just cool to look at. I think that was the the main marketing, especially with, um, especially with the fact that there's going to be more of these. So there's, uh, I don't know how many more. I just know that when I heard the initial run of what the amps were going to be, um, there's, there was more than what has come out so far is what they've, they originally told me when I got told about these and I got, so I got shown them all, uh, or a few of them prototype ones. And one of the prototype ones I saw still hasn't come out yet. So I know that one's coming too. So just thought I would share that with you guys. And then let me go back. Hold on a second. And then, hold on. And then, oh, this isn't at the NAM, but I want to share this. Let me go with this. Uh, if you guys saw, I did a Belltone guitar review a couple weeks ago. Uh, they're a small uh, luthier builder. And uh, they're doing this cool guitar. You can see, obviously, they're, they're doing this as an homage to the Ukraine. This is the guitar you can win. I put a link down below, and they sent me a message and asked me if I wouldn't mind mentioning this on the show. Basically, here's the deal. It's a $10 raffle to win this guitar. You know from watching that video, if you watch that video, these guitars are like 2500 bucks. You basically enter to win the raffle for $10. They're going to donate all the money to help uh, refugees of Ukraine, and you can get an opportunity to win this beautiful guitar that's uh, made in, I believe, Florida, and that's where it'll ship from is in Florida, from Florida. And then, since, believe it or not, all that was pretty much signature guitars, let's talk about something that wasn't signature guitars. Whoops. If I don't mess up my screens again. 
This is going to be a very visual podcast. People listening are going to be this is horrible. All right. And then also, I thought this was cool. Eastman came out with a new series of guitars. I thought this was a really interesting look. Um, and they're not the only ones. There was a couple other companies that came out with, you know, something a little different. But hold on. Let me go. Uh, I just realized I have it in my files, but I did not pull it up. Hmm. I don't know where it is. So let's go back. All right. So that's the main, that was the main things of what I saw from the NAMM show this year in the guitar realm. Obviously a couple new pedals. Um, something else that's coming, that came out was announced today. If you hadn't seen is that, uh, Yamaha, Yamaha, <laughs> Yamaha, uh, uh, came out with limited edition THR thirties twos and they come in black and look, it's like a, remember these days? Okay. So, uh, black or white and then of course they still have the cream one um, there's nothing different about them other than the color um, obviously this was sent to me as a pre-release because I'm assuming because it says proto on the back and it came in a generic box so it doesn't have the normal packaging so obviously I, I got sent it to they wanted to, to me to do a video on it I'm going to do a video on it I'm pretty excited about it I'm playing it all week uh, one of the things I can tell you that I like up front again this isn't different than the THR10 that's already out uh, sorry, sorry, THR 30, is it has rechargeable battery, which I think is cool. That's like the coolest thing. So it has Bluetooth and all that stuff, but the 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 rechargeable battery is just really, really cool. That's a cool feature. Um, and it's been working really good. I charged it up, and I've been playing it on the battery mode. As you can see, I'm not connected to anything, and I was just playing it earlier before when I was waiting to go online with you guys. So that's new. Um, <laughs> a lot of people are like, it looks like a boombox. But I like Max's answer. It's the ghetto blaster. I remember the first time I told my daughter, I go, oh, like a ghetto blaster. And my daughter had no idea what I was talking about. Like I just picked random different language. <laughs> and I'm like, a ghetto blaster. And she's like, I don't know what that is. I go, it's like a boom box. I don't know what that is. All right. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, interesting. So I thought, I thought we would talk about some of the NAMM stuff and then more importantly, uh, talk about, um, what do you think about this? This, we talked about signature guitars in the past a couple times on the show, but man, is this the absolute most, I mean, almost every single guitar released by a major brand. There was some other boutique builders that released some cool stuff. Everything's a signature guitar. And it re- it really made me feel like, because it was so extreme to where, to like I said, companies put out nothing but signature guitars for the show. It kind of reminds me of the remade movies when they just keep remaking the old movies. It's kind of like, hey, we need a movie. And I'm like, oh, well, why don't we just find a movie that did really well in the past and bring it back? And that way we know it's people want it. And I think that's kind of how I feel about the signature guitars. I think they're like, hey, we need to make a new guitar next year. And like, why don't we get a signature guitar? Because then that way... You know, people like that person if they, and, and, uh, you know, so if we make another guitar and, oh, I didn't show you guys, that was, uh, something else. Um, uh, John Petrucci came out with a, a bunch of new colors, of course. Here it is. Um, let's go. So a bunch of new colors. Obviously there's a new, it's not new, but there's an eight string majesty with fan frets. And then of course, seven string and a six string, some new colors. And again, Kind of with the Pia, new color, the Majesty's new colors, 
taking some artists that had a guitar before and giving them a different guitar, like Pete Thorne and uh, Tom Quayle. Like, hey, they already had a guitar with us. Let's make a different guitar now. And it seems like that was the initial theme. And I don't want to pick on any brands or artists because, I mean, like I said, I'm, I'm a fan of all this stuff. But I definitely feel like sometimes this happens at the NAMM show in the, in the years in the past where it's like everyone had the same idea at the same time. That's how this feels this year. It's the same idea. Everybody's like, let's make a signature guitar. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I, so nothing, uh, you know, nothing really grabbed me. I was really kind of interested in the Pia guitar because of the fact, because um, <laughs> I've been thinking about getting a Pia guitar and when they first came out and then they sold out so fast and then they, you know, everybody's asking way more than what they were originally. And so I was like, okay, the blue one, that kind of appealed to me. Other than that, I didn't really feel a whole lot of stuff. Nothing really excited me. I kind of feel like the big thing was the Saldano Mini because that was the the only the only thing that was n- new that wasn't something the same old, same old. And then somebody's mentioned Gibson. If you look, Gibson, before the show, they weren't at NAMM, so of course they didn't release anything NAMM. But before the NAMM show, they just... They they also just came up with a bunch of signature guitars. Like, it's just signature guitars. That's it. So I, I think that's... Is that where it's going to go? Is that is that where we're at now? Everything... It just It'll be just signature guitars? If you look at brands... I have the, um, the Music Man Saber. And one of the things I like about that guitar... Again, I have nothing wrong with signature guitars. I like them. But the thing I like about the Music Man Saber... Music Man is one of the few companies, it's like almost all, especially guitar, it's almost all signature guitars, right? Just all of them. There's, in fact, if you don't want somebody's, I don't want to say name because some of them don't have their name on the guitar, but if you don't want somebody's name on your guitar, it's pretty much there's like two or three models that you can choose from out of the 15 different guitars they make. A lot of you guys are now uh, egging me on to get... You guys don't have to egg me on to buy the Pia, the Ibanez. So, you know, what happened was when uh, Larry sent me the picture of the of the Pia in blue, he sent it to me on my phone. And I said, oh, that's beautiful. And I was talking to him about how much I, I you know, I didn't understand the guitar at first. And he agreed. He was kind of like that, too. Uh, you know, he's like, it's kind of unique and out there. And then I said, it grew on me. And I really liked it. And then... He said, uh, I was talking and I said, oh, that picture came out really well. And he goes, would you like this, me to send you that picture? And I said, no, please don't send me that picture because um, then I'll really want to buy the guitar and hang the guitar next to the picture. And um, so he sent the picture. And then what's funny was he goes, since doing the photo shoot with the guitar, they've changed the color of the guitar slightly. And I said, oh. And he goes, so I photo corrected the color on the, on the picture. So it's the same color as the guitar exactly. So when you buy your guitar, you can, <laughs> I'm like, really? And he's like, yeah, it's that way, that way when you buy the Pia, it'll be perfect next to the picture. So that was his, I think him sending the photo to me was an elaborate ruse to get me to buy a Pia. <laughs> so, no, uh, that's it. Uh, all right. Okay. So. Any anybody see anything else? I'm looking for anything that you guys saw at the Nam show that was interesting, exciting, different. Something I missed. Uh, 
Luna, Luna Maddox says, is this all trying to, to copy on the Silver Sky success? Well, yeah, not just Silver Sky. I mean, obviously, Eddie Van Halen, Steve I. There's a ton of uh, J- J- John Petrucci. Uh, remember, and when I did my Petrucci interview, he said, he stated this in the interview. He said it's the second second most selling signature guitar in history, uh, his, his signature guitar. So it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, we know it works. Um, my experience with signature guitars and talking to companies is when it works, it's golden and they sell bazillions of them. When it doesn't work, it's just a, it, they can't sell any. And it has nothing to do with how – well, it does have a lot to do with how famous the, the guitar player is. But it also has to do with how well people receive that guitar. So another thing missing from the show I noticed this year is, again, we talked about this last Last NAMM show, which was 2020, was a huge absence of affordable guitars. Lots of like, hey, we got another $5,000 guitar. Um, even that Pia is probably in the $3,500 range. Those, I don't know what the Toast and Abbasis are going for, but if I was going to guess, they're they're north of $4,000, and I could be way off, but I can't imagine they're less than that. Um, again, same thing, the, t- the Tom Quell, uh, this, the Pete Thorne you saw was $3,700. It's like... This is where everybody just wanted to they just want to keep releasing these really expensive high-end guitars. And just for the record, so you guys know, because I, I don't want you to hurt your fingers typing so hard when you say, who's buying all these? They're selling them, trust me. They're selling the high-end guitars. That that is still happening. It's probably slowing down. I've seen it happen. What I'm seeing now, what I see is a slowdown of high-end guitars in the smaller sellers. So the smaller builders, that's where it usually happens. Cause you gotta understand, you know, everybody's always going to be in the mood to buy some kind of Fender product or Gibson product and maybe a PRS product and so on and so on. But then as you keep going down that pyramid of brands, uh, as the brands become more, you know, not only smaller, but more niche, uh, then, you know, less buyers out there looking for that. And so even though people are still buying the high end guitars, they're not, I'm noticing they're not buying it's, it's what it always is. It's the small builder that seems to be feeling like he's getting a slowdown while the big builders are still trying to figure out how they're going to keep up with the two-year backlog. Uh, Trey wants to know if I saw the new Nick Johnson uh, PT from Schechter. I did. The, the, it was beautiful. And again, same thing, another signature guitar. Meester says the Pia is 466.66. My guess, um, Pia, is... Let's see if I'm right. So this is just my guess going off that. Hold on a second. I don't know why. I feel force. There's a reason why that number is so weird, and I'm going to tell you why in a second. It's 466. So that would put the street price somewhere around 32 to 30, $3,300 is what I'm thinking. The reason is, is this. I mean, it still uses the old philosophy of like retail and then 30 percent off retail is map and so that's what i would guess now i could be wrong i i'm not i i don't know but i would guess that if if what you see is a published price right now at the nam show at the ibanez booth typically and a lot of brands too but definitely ibanez when you go to the booth they post only the retail prices on the booth um and then map is you know 30 percent off that on average um and maybe things have changed. Maybe they changed it to 20%. But I would say it's probably going to be thirty-three dollars to $3,500 for the PF based on that $4,666 price. So that's a real normal thing. Companies like Fender, I don't know if you know, they got rid of that. Not Squire. 
Squire still participates in that program, but um, uh, Fender is just like, screw it. Map is retail and retail is map and they don't do the whole, oh, you get a 30% off discount. They don't do that anymore. They stopped years ago, but a lot of manufacturers still stick to the whole, this is retail and then there's a map. Yeah, Richard says retail and map pricing are antiquated. Yeah, it's, you know, it's the whole point was to make the, <laughs> the whole point was to make the uh, consumer feel like they got a deal when they didn't, right? That's, that's the, the old, oldest trick in the book. Hey, it's a thousand dollars, but for you, cause I like your smile, $700, right? And, uh, and then you're like, oh, okay, you know, and, um, but in a world where we're, with the internet and the phones and education is just easy as searching, you know, you're like, well, you're like for you, $700. You're like for me, it's like everybody on the internet, $700. So I, I, I agree. I think the whole map and retail concept is an antiquated system. I, I just think it's just, everything should just be retail. And if you can get a deal off retail, you get a deal off retail. So, you know, Plus, I think I think a lot of companies have learned, especially the bigger brands like Fender have learned, kind of like that Apple business model, kind of like you don't really need a sale. You know what I mean? You you just hold your price because you're the brand. You're you're the biggest. We'll be right back. You still loading them and heating them up with all your single shit you've been dropping. You feel me? Loading them up on it. It only takes structure. And, and you know, just paying attention to the climate of the game. Yeah, know what I mean. So, do do your homies uh got a role in your in your little? You mean? Yeah, yeah. We all we all artists over here, man. I'm trying. Oh, yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying to try get them on there. Yeah, yeah. Damn, me, me, we all artists, man. We go. You feel me? We gonna have this like. Bro, me and my man, like me and my man Kai, we be like, I don't know, we play, we play with this <laughs> shit. Right now. This I gotta lie, we play with this shit right now for for. Oh, I gotta don't lie, don't play with it. Play with it. No. Take that shit serious. Okay. Sean Brooks says that is borderline illegal. You can't put an item on sale if it was never on a higher price. Sean, are you outside the U.S.? I thought you were in the U.S. I don't know why I thought that. That's an outside the U.S. thing. That's a Europe thing. Europe has a all kinds of laws. It's the Wild West in the U.S. and it's state by state. On top of that, uh, I live in Arizona. Arizona is one of the few states where it's kind of a buy. We call it a buyer beware state where there's not a whole lot of uh, uh, regulation on protecting consumers. It's gotten better over the years. California, oh, no offense to Californians, even though I think that most of that state's a disaster for the most part. Um, there's a few things that they do, I guess, okay. And one of them is, I hate to give them any kind of prop, you know, right? But anyways, um, California does have a lot of um, a lot of things to protect consumers comparatively to some other states. But there's federal laws and then state laws and some state laws. Um, the reason is I know this stuff is because, like I said, I had a retail establishment for years. And I remember just thinking things because people would say them. And then you're like, I have a business. I don't want to get in trouble. What What's the real laws? And so you would, you know, you would find out. And then you find out, like, no, there's no law that says that. <laughs> and again, I can only talk about my state. Like, in my state, one of the things I remember was, like, we would be super paranoid not to miss, you know, obviously you don't want to miss uh, price anything. You'd price something for, like, 100 bucks and 
and it was supposed to be like you know two hundred dollars, and then somebody's like, "Oh, I want it for a hundred dollars." You're like, "Oh, we missed price." Like, you have to honor that price. And uh, I go, "Okay, so we got to be diligent to that." And I remember the first time I found out in the state I live in, that's not a thing. <laughs> you could just decide not to sell something uh, for no reason. You could just go, "I don't, I don't want to sell it." You could, you, you can't say, oh, you have to pay $200. You could just say, I'm not going to sell it to you at any price. I've decided against it. Now, is that good business? I don't think so. And is that a good etiquette? I don't think so. But we're talking about what you can do and do not do. Um, so same thing. So with the, the item has to be at a price. That's a, Europe is the only place I know of. I mean, there's probably other countries too that has rules that says, you know, if you, if you say something on sale for, let's say 700 bucks, it has to be at a higher price for so so many days, like 30 days. And then once you lower the price, I believe, because again, I'm not in Europe, but I believe uh, my understanding was after it's been on sale for 30 days, you can't say it's on sale anymore because that then now, now that's the price. So it has to go lower to say it's on sale. You have to return it back for a certain amount of time. Um, but the U.S. doesn't really have that stuff. <laughs> it's kind of why like uh, people from Europe, when they come to the U.S., they have trouble with the whole... You know, it's it's nine ninety nine, and they go to the register, and it's like it's ten eighty three, and they're like, why is it ten eighty three? And they're like, sales tax, and they're like, what? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, and that was a, a thing. You know, uh, I remember in the shop all the time, people would come in, and they'd be from you know another country, and you go, okay, it's you give them the price with sales tax, and they were like, wait, that's not the price on the on the thing, and you're like, no, no, you, it's sales tax, it's on top of that. And like, why isn't that the price? I'm like, I don't know. Americans do stupid things sometimes, too. Not everybody's perfect. We all have our stupid things. Uh, Robert says, Philip, what are your thoughts on the Blue uh, Guitar Amp, the Blue Guitar Amp X? So I saw that was announced as well. I don't know if that's real product deck or still prototype. I don't know. So I saw it. I had a screen grab of it for you guys to share. But then I kind of put it on the back burner because, again, it's... Um, he showed a product similar to that in the 2020 NAM, and uh, I didn't I didn't get any confirmation that it's actual tangible shippable product yet. I still I still it still might be prototyped at this point. If somebody knows different, uh, let me know um, if that is really happening. You know, are happening now, or if it's a later product. That's one thing about the NAM that I kind of hate sharing. Is like sometimes you share something in NAM, and it's like it's coming out. <laughs> I think even those Toast and Abbasis are for fourth quarter this year, but at least it's this year. I mean, there's products that you'll see at NAM, and this is back before the world was the way it is now. Um, you know, you see a product now, NAM, and the joke was NAM stands for not available, maybe May. And what's funny about that is that actually was the good result because a lot of times you would see a product, I would share it, like especially on the YouTube channel, hey, look at this new cool thing. And then literally two years later, it comes out. <laughs> like, oh, all right, wasn't ready yet. So if anyone knows, yeah, uh, Davis says, I feel like the Blue Amp X has been almost released for five years. Like I said, for sure, I remember Thomas Blue showing it to me at the 2020 NAM, saying it was prototype. I had talked to... Um, uh, who did I talk to? Uh, I talked to Richard, uh, Richard Morgan, uh, and he used to work for Hughes and Kittner. He now works for, uh, sorry, Kettner. So you guys don't like, you don't like when I say Kettner, uh, Hughes and Kettner. Uh, he now works for Thomas Blug. And, uh, I talked to him briefly a few months ago. It might've been this year. It might've been the end of last year. And he had said the same thing. Like he, uh, he, uh, uh, 
uh, has it coming out, but I don't think it was, uh, you know, in production yet. Matt, Matt says the Tosin guitar looks like the Albert Lee guitar's evil twin. It does. It does. <laughs> That's great. And now I won't be able to unsee that. Uh, Surfy says the new Pete Thorne guitar is out. Yeah, I saw Pete Thorne playing it. I figured what I'm hoping is I'm sure he'll bring. I'm hoping he'll bring it to Gear Fest at Sweetwater um, because obviously uh, Sweetwater doesn't carry uh, Sir, and so I would imagine he'll bring his Sir guitar. That's what he's done at all the other events. Every time I've bumped into Pete at these events, he's no one's ever carried Sir <laughs> at any of these events, and he's always brings his Sir with him. That's how come I got to play his actual one twice, two of his ones. I think I paid, played his gold one and his red one. And uh, so I'm hoping he'll bring one and maybe we'll get to see it. Check it out. Really interested. Okay. Um, okay. Hold on a second. I'm just looking for your comments so we can talk about the cool thing about Nam is that we get to talk about new gear, new stuff. Uh, LPD, uh, Lauren's saying his new 74 Deluxe is out, I think, is what he's saying. So that's that's out. Uh, obviously, his 55 just came out, Pedal. I did a video on that. If you guys didn't watch this week, I did a video of the Ert single cut guitar. That was that uh, last Ert video that I did, the one of the T-style guitar, it really rang with you guys. You can always tell when somebody, when it, I told you guys, when I can tell when the audience likes something, it's nothing to do with how many views. That one had crazy views, but it had huge engagement time. It's like you guys were watching well into the end on the average user. So I was like, all right, this is something you're interested in. And then uh, Ralph wanted the headless uh, Ert guitar. So we had, uh, we had got it all set up and Ralph's going to, I was going to review Ralph's headless guitar. And then, uh, I posted it out there, you know, what do you guys think? And But overwhelmingly, the comments were like, oh, check out the single cut. My guess is because um, they sent the single cut to a bunch of other channels as well. So I was like, all right, all right, we'll do that. At first, I'm always apprehensive about doing, you know, having a company send me a guitar that's like the, like the same one that just gets sent to four or five channels because I feel like you guys like, uh, you've seen, been there, done that. But I think uh, what's nice about the new formatted deep dive format is that you guys like... Um, you guys like if you have seen it on the channel, maybe this will give you a perspective the other channels didn't, and they'll give you a perspective I didn't, and so on and so on. But and Antonio says, "Did Ralph buy his Ert online? I bought it, and then he paid me back." Um. Yeah, Adrian says, get Ralph's headless reviewed. It is. I'm going to do the video for sure. It's actually, I have half of it done. Susan says, the ERT videos are quite intriguing. I think they are the winner right now for the best affordable, uh, uh, <laughs> I, I, you notice I pause. I pause. It's like you can't say affordable anymore. Everybody gets so, they get their, their underwear in a bunch. You got to say obtainable because then somebody's going to go $300 is not affordable. And I'm like, look, I, I, like I tell you guys before, I just given you the, you know, when I go, I review guitars. Sometimes I, I, I tell you, I kind of go off what the industry standards are for pricing and stuff. But as you guys know, I try to 
like like if you look in the last ninety days, I sprinkled in guitars that are as high as almost four thousand dollars and as low as one hundred dollars, and I try to go everywhere in between, so that everybody can see something that maybe appeals to you. I don't know. I don't know. When I watch the car channels, I watch a lot of car channel review channels in the last six months because I've been looking at getting a car. Um, that's what I seem to I took more from that than I was already doing before, which is I really like how they do that. Like, here's a Lamborghini and then here's a Toyota Camry. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's good. That's good. And I learned something about each. Okay. Music Sound Gear says, did I see the new Lizzie Hale guitar? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That's what I was saying is Gibson released a, their signature guitars too. Um, this just all signature guitars. That's why I said I'm just like, uh, you know, and again, this is a person who likes, I like signature guitars. I have no, I own a few um, signature guitars. I must have four or five of them probably. Um, I mean, I, so I'm trying to see if there's, is there one behind me? There is. That's really weird. There's always at least one signature guitar behind me, but there's not one today. So you would think I would have this planned out, <laughs> what's behind me, but it has nothing to do with that. It's just everything gets shuffled around. Okay, let's uh, let's do some super chat con uh, questions. Uh, let me hop over there. Uh, kind of kind says, "Hey Phil, want to buy a Tele style Ert because of your videos, but I don't love the pickguard design. Any advice on making a new pickguard? Any recommendations on uh, replacement of pick of the neck pickup? Sure, uh, the neck pickup is easy because that pickup I just did not, and you know, and that one I got, I did not like that one at all. So I think you could do it well with anything. Um, based on that bridge pickup, I would go with something basic. Just go with either anything that puts out like uh, like." Guitar Fetish or Seymour Duncan, just going basic. I'm, I'm assuming because, you know, the guitar is going to be 360, you don't want to put a $150 Tele pickup in there. So I would just go with anything that's an upgrade. Don't forget used. I have a, uh, I bought a Seymour Duncan Tele pickup used in a music store for 25 bucks. And I still have it, you know, downstairs. We were using it as a test pickup for something. And I went to a store and I just walked in going, I need a Tele pickup. We, we, me and Ralph figured out we didn't have one. And I went to the store. I told the story on the podcast a year or so ago. We went to a music store and I said, do you have any used pickups? And they go, yeah, we have a used Seymour Duncan. I go, how much? And they go, 25 bucks. And I go, oh, I'll take it. So don't forget used pickups, stuff like that. Um, but, um, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, but for Pickguard, you're probably, well, based on that design, you're probably going to have to have one custom made and that you just go to your local shop and have them make it. So... There you go. Vince 69 says, Phil, are you keeping the mini Saldano? Yes. I ended up keeping the Friedman and the mini Saldano. And, uh, the reason is, is because, uh, the Bogner doesn't look like my Bogner <laughs> and the, uh, diesel, I don't have a diesel. So I didn't keep those two that they, they sent out. Um, I kept the Saldano and the, um, Friedman because, uh, like I said, I think that's, it's in, well, I know it's his intended use. They talked to me when they first released them. It's, partially to be a legitimate product, something you can, like I said, take to a gig if you need it, have something in, a, in an emergency, play. It's a small practice tool, but also it's made so you can have a small version of it. And, you know, uh, that's why I have it. So that's, yeah, I'm going to keep it for that reason. Um, it, it was really nice. Like I said, they're really good. They're exactly what I said in the videos. I haven't watched anyone else's videos. I, I Sometimes I do. I'll watch a video if I need reference for a product. Uh, like, you know, what did they say? What could I add to the conversation? But in this case, um, 
I really stand by what I said in every one of those videos. It's funny because I'll get comments in the videos and I don't know if it's because they started typing before I said things because they're just repeating what I said, which is it's a Saldano, the Friedman, and all those amps are just that distortion box in a Class D power amp in a box. That's it. So it's it's not it's not revolutionary product. It's not amazing. By you're not going to be blown away and go, oh my god, this is just like the real thing. It's just really good, fun. And if you think that's a lot of money spent for fun, you're absolutely right. Although I, you know, it's a perspective thing. Um, I also spent a hundred dollars for some stupid reason last year on the Lego Stratocaster thing that my wife put together, and then I don't even know where that is in the house. <laughs> So, I mean, sometimes we buy dumb things. That's kind of what I consider these to be. They're kind of like fun, frivolous purchases, um, which is why I kind of approach it that way in the video. Like, because I don't want you guys to walk away going, this is the most amazing thing ever. What I will tell you about that amp is a positive. It's a very good positive. And I almost wanted to say it in the video, but I didn't. Uh, and I didn't edit it out. I just never thought to say it until I was editing, which is I when I recorded it, one of the things I that was scary about it recording it was it recorded probably better if not just as good as the real Saldano 30 SLO 30 so I was really shocked by that um in fact I thought it recorded way better than it sounded in the room and it sounded good in the room but it sounded a little better it sounded a little beefier in the recording and that doesn't happen usually you're fighting trying to get the recording to sound as good as it did in the room this one it sounded a little bit better but not enough to where I was like you know, if you get it, you'll be like, it didn't sound like that in this video. It'll sound just like that. Cause like I said, I don't use post-production. There's no second track, third track, fourth track, quad tracking. There's no, any of that stuff. It's just going into a SM57 on a speaker into a focus, right? And, uh, and, uh, I don't even use any fancy recording software. You'd be, you'd be, you'd laugh. I keep things very basic for the YouTube videos. Very basic. I refuse to get more complicated than it is because I figure if I, Again, I'm not making albums here. I'm just recording uh, videos so you guys can have a reference. Grumpy Mike said it sounded really good. I, I did. It did sound really good in the room, too. You know, it did the same thing that they all do, which is really impressive. They sound good, quiet, but man, turned up. They sound good. You know, um, I'm sure by the time you try to get over the drummer and he's hitting hard, you're you're going to feel it kind of struggling. It's going to be loud enough for you, but it's not going to be like, wow, it's going to be struggling a little bit. But man, up until that point, it's it's still a, it's still a loud amplifier. Patrick says, question, do you have an octopedal you like for tune, down tuning? Yeah, I use the uh, pitch fork. I don't know if that's considered an octave pedal. I have the Boss octave pedal, I have, but I use the pitch fork for down tuning because you said down tuning. Uh, I've been thinking about buying the pitchfork. Ah, <laughs> that's what I use. Um, the Digitech, Digit, Digitech one's great. Uh, no particular reason why I use the pitchfork. It was just like, a, I need a down tune pedal. Pitchfork was like a good price. I don't know if I bought it used or new. I just remember seeing it going, okay, I'll take it. And that's what I, that's what I got. And that's it. And uh, I've had no, and this is the best, I guess the best recommendation I can give. When you buy something like that, especially something like that where I wasn't, you know, I was just looking for the effect because <laughs> that sometimes happens. You know, it's not like I'm, you know, sometimes like all of us, some of us, I watch 50 videos. I do all this research, <laughs> narrow it down to some choices, right? Then maybe even A, B, these choices. And then I get down to the thing. Um, 
And that happens a lot. But sometimes I just go, oh, I need a thing right now that does a thing. And uh, like I need a compressor. I need a, a overdrive. Or I need something like that. Like that. I need downtune. Um, and uh, I just go and buy one, whether it clicks online or I just and, and uh, this will just get, you know, get me started. And then I'll figure out later what's the best one. And I've had it now for a few years and I've had no, no reason to get rid of it. Uh, Worldwide Ghost Channel says, so you downtune without touching the tuner? That is absolutely correct. You can literally half step, full step, downtune your guitar polyphonically. It's important because back in the day that wasn't polyphonic, which means polyphonic means you could hit, you know, hit full chords and hit multiple strings, multiple notes. So yeah. And uh, latency wise, you know, what's funny is if there is a latency on it, sometimes I, I've had this experience with with downtune pedals, you go, oh, there's a little bit of latency. And then I'll go, I'll go to record and I go, well, then I won't use the pedal. I'll, I'll actually downtune and I'll downtune the guitar and I play it. And it still has a kind of weird tone to it because just sometimes when you downtune, it just has a tone to it, but no, they're very, very cool. So yeah. Um, highly recommend that. Nick Patterson says, what does he say? He says, Hey Phil, what do you think I should sell my Fender Supersonic 60 combo for. I checked reverb sold listings for pricing, but still hard to sell, hard to tell. Um, I don't know. You know, the, the the thing about the Supersonic 60 is it became a lot less desirable. In fact, for a while, I haven't looked recently, so I, I'm, I'm just going to give you the information I have. For a while, you could buy the Supersonic 60 for a lot less than you could the 22. Main reason is a lot of people did not love the Supersonic 60s clean. And... Uh, and on the head, it was worse because there was no reverb on the, so on the supersonic 60 head, there's no reverb on the combo. There is on the supersonic 22, both head and combo have reverb. And there's just something about the clean channel on the 22 that seemed to appeal to a lot of players, including myself over the 60. So distortion wise, I'd say they're on par. If not, I might give it to the 60 as a little slightly better, but over time I've been watching them catch up and pricing. What I will tell you is the supersonics have priced up so high that I would, if I had that amp to get rid of right now, if it was me, um, unless you need the money, which if you do, don't super chat me five bucks, uh, <laughs> the, uh, uh, put it on, you know, your Craigslist and wait, put it for a good price. Don't ship it. It's a nightmare. Just put it on your local, you know, stuff and wait. I know it's a pain, but wait, uh, and you'll find a buyer for it because what you're looking for is not somebody who's like, Oh, I'll buy a supersonic 60 for 600 bucks. You don't want that person. You want somebody who's like, man, it's $1,300 or whatever they're getting for the supersonic 22 combo now. Ugh. And then they go and now whatever price you have just looks like, okay, I'd rather save 500 bucks and I can, you know, who cares if it's 30 Watts louder. Plus, depending on what version you have a uh, version, meaning, uh, if you have the tan one or the black one, I always thought the supersonic combo black one with the silver or black chrome knobs, the onyx knobs look was way cooler looking than the black one that they made for 22. Nathan says he's walking up to the Nam right now, which that was really a little while ago. But so if you haven't seen on my Instagram, which I haven't, <laughs> I'm looking right now, I'm looking at my Instagram. Uh, Nathan did a takeover on my Instagram. Nathan is at the Nam show and so if you go on, yeah, you can go now. If you go to my Instagram, Nathan is at the NAM show and he is sharing all of the stuff from the NAM show. So he did a what's called an Instagram takeover. I know I sound like a dad when I say that, um, but that's okay. I am one. It's fine. 
<laughs> so, um, and so he did it. Uh, I, uh, he asked to do it. And uh, you know what? I was actually very uh, thankful that he would do it because it's really cool of him to do. So basically, we go on my Instagram. Nathan is out there sharing all kinds of cool stuff about the NAMM show. Um, and I let told him, hey, have at it, share stuff. And I just uh, suggested a couple things that, you know, make sure he puts in there. That would be kind of cool. Other than that, it's all him. And uh, so if you're interested, you can check out my Instagram. I've been posting on Instagram more lately. I know I used to say I only post on Instagram when I'm bored and same with Facebook when I'm bored. Um, but what had happened was if you know, if you're on Facebook, you know now because you have to because I've, I've jumped like five, six thousand subscribers on Facebook. Um, if you go on my Facebook page, you'll probably notice like there's just crap tons of content coming out. That is the same thing with Instagram, Facebook and Instagram. Uh, I don't know if I can say approached me, but that's kind of how it was. They came to me and said uh, they gave me some incentives to post some some financial incentives. Now, keep in mind, I'm in the social media world, which means sometimes a financial incentive can be ten dollars. But versus you working for nothing versus for ten dollars, and sometimes that's this is. You know, like I said, this is a feast or famine business for sure. Sometimes you make a little, sometimes you make a lot. You never know when it's coming, but you're always looking for an opportunity. So I started posting more on Facebook, and it obviously is netting some decent result. And um, same with Instagram. They Out of nowhere, uh, they said, hey, if you start posting, I, I don't even know if I'll ever get paid. <laughs> I think there's a threshold. I think that's what they're telling me. Like, hey, if you can post more and hit this threshold, we'll do some they'll pay out or something. And I was like, Oh, cool. But I think if I don't hit the threshold, I don't get a payout. But I thought, you know, given the do it or don't do it, at least there's an incentive there to do stuff. So let's do it. So there you go. Um, sometimes I've told you in the past that this is the problem. Sometimes when I'm focused on making videos and I'm doing the posts on social media, the other social platforms, uh, sometimes I sit there and I go, man, I'm not getting stuff done because I'm doing this crap. Maybe I shouldn't do this. And so, especially when it, you know, it just sucks up your time. So at least maybe, I don't know. Actually, it's not the financial thing. It's literally the, I started posting because I said, well, there's this opportunity. Let's do it. And wow, I had no idea. It took off really, really well. I had some videos go almost viral on Facebook. Really cool. Oh, and because I like to share information with you guys, I learned something about Facebook. Different than what you probably always learn about Facebook. Um, Facebook gets a lot of grief Rightly so, probably. But on this particular case, they get a lot of grief uh, because they're saying the demographic on Facebook is like an older demographic, right? That's usually the go-to, right? Like the kids are on TikTok and the older folk are on, on Facebook. And so we started posting on Facebook. And what I never imagined in a million billion years is that there are entire countries where the only place that people can get the internet is through their Facebook. So like they get a phone. I mean, it makes total sense. Like maybe they have Wi-Fi at home. I don't know, but they get a phone and it's like, uh, they get a phone and it's automatically comes with Facebook and it's free. So they can watch unlimited. So on YouTube, you know, they're going to be on a data plan, but they can watch Facebook for free. The reason I know this is because we started posting on Facebook and we started seeing huge numbers tick up in certain videos, just like on YouTube, right? I got a video that gets like 40 views and I got a video that gets like, you know, 100,000 views. And you're like, oh, that's crazy. And that's what we saw was when we look in the analytics go, it was always in other countries where I'd never really, my videos weren't getting viewed that much before. So it was really interesting insights and stuff. So just thought, I, just thought I'd share with that. So interesting stuff, like I said, a lot of different, a lot of different, um, uh, 
viewerships, like I said, different, different, different demographics. But again, not what I thought. <laughs> like I said, it's interesting. Maybe it's not. I don't know. <laughs> Seems interesting. Okay. We, uh, we have T. I'm going to say T. T says, hello, Phil. I purchased an Epiphone 335 recently, and I love it. Always wanted an Epiphone Casino, but never had the chance to try one out. In your opinion, is there any difference between the Simi Hollow uh, with humbuckers versus the Simi Hollow with P90s? Sure, of course. There's a, there's a significant difference, um, and it's none of it's good or bad. It's just a choice thing. Um, I think the humbuckers are more versatile, so I think if you go humbuckers, you'll get... You'll get more sounds out of them. I'm a P90 person, but I'm a P90. Like when I'm in the mood and I play P90s, I'll go weeks and play nothing but a P90 guitar. And then all of a sudden, just one day, I'm like, nah. <laughs> just, uh, right. Most of the time, most of the time when I pick up a P90 guitar, I go, yeah, why am I playing anything else? This is like the ultimate guitar. And then sometimes, like I said, it's just no. Um, so are you missing anything? No, but you have an opportunity now. You have the 335. Maybe this is an opportunity to get another P90 type guitar later. You know, I'll tell you this. There's nothing you can't do vice with either guitar. There's nothing I could tell you. Like if you had the P90 version, there's nothing like, oh, you'll never get that sound. You can pull any sound out of those guitars because the sound's really coming from you for the most part. But Sometimes it's a little tricky. Like I said, if you had a Strat and you're like, hey, I'm trying to get that ES-335 sound out of the Strat. And you're like, yeah, it's a little tough. But P90s versus the humbuckers, I don't think it's a big stretch. Um, like I said. Antonio wants to know if the contemporary Strat that I reviewed was full thickness. It was full thickness. Um, Squire is, of course, a nightmare. Sometimes they're thinner. Sometimes they're the full thickness. That one was a full thickness. In other words, it was the same slab of, of wood thickness on the body as the uh, Fender one. Uh, Grumpy Mike Guitar says, and why not? I don't need a mini SLO, but thanks to you, I have a mini SLO. Thanks for that. Cheers. You'll enjoy it. You know, the SLO, I, I, I thought... I thought I was going to get like a million views. No, I'm serious. I, I thought the video was going to take off like a rocket. I had no idea that they sent so many out. What happens with companies that send out, you know, like 50 things to channels, what what sucks is, well, first, I I believe, and I've, I've made a good money over the last couple of years working with some companies, rolling out campaigns that I, and that have been way more successful than other companies' campaigns. Um, that strategy is not very good. And it's for a ton of reasons. It, it's really, it really smacks YouTube in the wrong way. Um, and the reason I tell you this, because again, some, I try to, there's a lot of different viewers right here on this channel. Some of you guitar players, some of you YouTubers, some of you are business owners. We try to cover all the topics. This is definitely, if you have a YouTube channel, this will help you. Um, the, the way that YouTube works now, and again, somebody told you something a year ago or six months ago in YouTube world, if the, if the information is not literally within the last 30 to 90 days, it might not even be helpful for you. Um, what happens when you get 50 channels to do the same video on the same title, they, they think it creates a frenzy and it doesn't because <laughs> what's happening is the viewers, a lot of these is a lot of crossover viewers. And so you watch uh, you know, 60 cycle hum and you watch Phil McKnight and you watch Red Shaw and you're watching all these channels. And so the first one, sometimes it pops up as the one you watch. And sometimes you, you know, if you get three or four to choose from, you'll pick maybe your favorite or the most clickbaitable title and thumbnail. There's all kinds of reasons why you click stuff. And uh, maybe it's just, you know, who you're most interested in in the moment. 
But what matters is, is that as they dilute those views across the channels, none of the videos get to take off. And what happens is, is they think, oh, this is great because we've got 50 channels and one did really well, one did, you know, okay, and another one did really well. What happens is, is that none of them collectively will probably do what one channel could have done on its own. And then if you would have waited to the cycle ends, you could have released another one and then waited to that cycle ends and released another one. So the best strategy is a video every spaced out at least a week apart. The bigger channels know this. That's why they're pretty much mandating that they be left alone from this. Um, I, you know, I, I believe Ola England actually uses this a lot. And so do other, a lot of bigger channels. They don't want to be in a mass blast of they'll, they want to be isolated a week, a week out from everybody else because they know that. Um, and then of course, from, from the YouTuber side, it sucks because like you put out a video and like you guys say in the comments, you already seen 50 other channels post it. So you're not going to watch mine, <laughs> which is fine. Um, but now I get like $23 for all that work. And again, I, I work in the, just like a lot of channels, you work on the, sometimes you get a hit, sometimes you don't, but you know, it's, it's not a very, it's not a very good uh, system. And, um, and uh, so, so interesting enough, um, the Seldano, which is, which is what I was going to basically get to on your question is one of the things that's cool about that amp is uh, I would, I have a Seldano SLO 30. I would have never had that if it wasn't for an opportunity I got to get it. Basically a viewer who's a friend, uh, said, Hey, I don't know if I told you, I'll just tell you the story. So I reviewed the Engel 20 fireball 25. I, and I, I did an interview with Mike Seldano, a viewer bought the Seldano and then, saw my view, video of the Engel Fireball 25 and he bought that. And then just like my conclusion, he came to the conclusion that maybe the Seldano is better, but if it's better, it's definitely not three times the price better. The Engel Fireball is like, I think in the video he even said, I mentioned it was like the poor man Seldano. And uh, he's like, you know, I know you really wanted the Seldano, but you same like him, he got, they got the Fireball because it was more affordable. So he sold me the Seldano and we did some barter for, for work. I did some work on his guitars and and some cash and we worked it all out and that's how i got one the reason i tell you that grumpy mike is other than that i would have never spent three thousand dollars on a seldano amp there's just no way as much as i love the amp and the idea of it that's just a lot of money i would have never done that and so i totally understand minus someone barring a situation where you have that opportunity which is a once in a lifetime hey would you like to pay a fraction of what something's worth um I, that's what I liked about the mini as well is it's like, okay, this is the closest most of us are going to get to a Seldano. There's no world where I could own a $6,000 hundred watt Seldano. And there was no world where I was going to buy a $3,000 Seldano amp. And the main reason is not only is it expensive, but it's not an amp I would use all the time. It's not a, and I really, I'll stand by this still. I still think the 5150 and the, the Engel Fireball 25 I'm not saying they're better, but for the price points on those amps, having owned all those amps, <laughs> there's nothing the Saldano is like, whoa, I could never go back. I'm like, no, I could totally play the other ones. It's fine. It's just the Saldano for me is a good sound, but it's really more of a, you get to, and you'll get this when you get to plug in the mini. It's the same thing. You plug in. The first thing I did was play Wicked Sensation. <laughs> In the original video, I did a bunch of 80s and 90s covers, but I took it all out because, one, I didn't want to cop get copyright strike, but, two, I already knew that they, I'd heard that they were going to have a Saldano video with George Lynch, and I was like, oh, well, I don't want to play George Lynch licks if he's doing it. <laughs>
So, <laughs> okay. And then, uh, and then, oh, and then uh, Mike followed up. And he says, damn it, I really, really want a Fireball 25. Um, so, you know, you have the, P- the uh, MT, the Mike, the, the Tremonti, sorry, you have the Tremonti 15-watt head. To me, they're so similar again and quality-wise. In fact, I could say the Tremonti is just as good as the Fireball 25 for its price. The thing I like about the Fireball is it's got a, a noise gate, which is a cool feature. And I think I like the Clean a little better, but it's a little. Like I said, I, I, I don't know if I would, you know, that's, I don't know. Like I said, they're close. That's the great thing about today, day and age now, which is, am I freezing? Looks like it's. I'm taking a drink and waiting to see if the, my screen is frozen for you. So you guys know. going to sit tight for just one second. Okay. Okay, I don't have any, on my side, I don't have anything. So if you guys are still watching and you can see me, please sit tight. And again. And thank you for your patience while we figure out what's going on. Okay. Yeah, mine keeps freezing. Okay, let's see if that's better. Okay. All right. Let's see what you guys see now. Back. I'm back. Woohoo. I'm back. Okay. Um, and uh i'm back so hopefully you guys are seeing me in real time all right let's let's uh i'm sorry about that i don't know what that is it might be on my side i might having internet problems on my side it's been a while since we've had internet problems okay so let's go ahead and uh try to finish up some questions we'll saw we'll salvage what's left of this um okay so what we have is the next question we have drew who says happy to spend my birthday with you oh man thank you happy birthday he says uh i replaced my alpha pots on my strat with cts they aren't really nearly as smooth so i switched back bad batch um it could be a bad batch i mean that's possible but this is something i've said before on the channel there's this uh thing that happens and i don't know where it happens from because i don't know how many channels are out there saying what they say but 
you know, a lot of people are just like alpha pots suck, but alpha pots, like I said, are inexpensive amplifiers. They're using all kinds of stuff. There's certain things about the feel of things. And sometimes when you're adjusting your, your, your volume knob or your tone control, they feel smoother and sometimes, you know, versus other potentiometers. But I don't necessarily, like I said, I don't have anything that says, uh, with me, I don't like, if I open up a guitar on my personal guitar and there's alpha pots, I don't yank them out and replace them with anything. It's never the case. Uh, I only replace things that I just don't like or aren't working. That's it. If I have no reason to replace them and never replace this stuff, it's the, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it is definitely something I follow. And it's because of that same reason. It's not because it's good, you know, good money. You want to save your money. That's absolutely true. But for me, so many times have I replaced things for myself or for customers and to see almost no result or sometimes actually go have to put it back. It's like a lot of work for nothing. Um, Meester says, just played the new Eastman Juliet HH here at NAMM and it felt and sounded terrific. Killer blues tones. Eastman makes fantastic guitars. So uh, thank you for letting us know. I, like I said, that's definitely like one of the brands I would like to check out. Carl Smith just said, there's no question. He's just a longtime supporter. Thank you for that. And my axe. That's <laughs> the name of the song. It says, Phil, any thoughts on the new U.S. made to order Jet City amps thinking about ordering the SLO style 21 head? So I don't know if it was you or somebody else had mentioned those a few months ago. And um, I couldn't find them. So if you guys could do me a favor, could you send me a link? I mean, I searched everywhere to try to put a link when I... Just like now, I'm talking about it, so I tried to put a link to it when I was indexing the show, and I couldn't find anything new with Jet City Amps. So so I have no reference of it. I was going to literally click the link and buy one and do a review. I thought, oh, that's perfect. Let's do a video about it. But I couldn't find one. So, so and my axe, if you have the link, could you please send it to me, either to the pmcknight7 at Gmail or any of my email addresses or to put it in the comments when the video uh, is being replayed. Robert says, Phil, what are your thoughts on the blue or the blue guitar amp X? Uh, like I said, I haven't tried it. Um, like I said, when I saw it last, he had a prototype, but it wasn't anything we could hear. It was just, he was just showing you it. So, I mean, I like blue. I like his stuff. So I'm interested for sure. Pedaly says for the Nam jar, uh, we are all wondering, wait, Oh, we're all wondering the show floor. Yeah, I'm really interested to see what you guys think of the show. Uh, I I'm obviously been on the record many times as saying I think it's, it's kind of an antiquated system nowadays. Like I said, that's why it wasn't a really hard decision to go. Okay, I'm going to go to this other event, but but uh, you know, always curious to see. I don't maybe I'm missing something. It's it's very possible. Uh, Brian says, "Hey Phil, have you ever reviewed a Robin guitar?" I've never reviewed one, but I've played a few of them and I even owned one for a while. Uh, just custom ordered a Robin, uh, and from Dave Wentz, the founder of Robin. Is he still in Texas? Is that what I, is that, is that what I understand? He's still in Texas. Anyone knows you can put that in the comments for sure. Um, it's, uh, there's a, there's a funny, I don't know if it's that funny. <laughs> there's kind of a funny Robin story I have, and it's definitely, Hold on a second, because it's not that great of a story. So if I can't find it fast, it's probably not worth sharing with you. Um, please give me a second, because I'm going to have to send this. Ah, here it is. Okay. 
Um, I'm going to share it with you. Because again, there would be no other, no other reason to share with you other than this. So Robin guitars for me, obviously the first time I ever saw one was on a slaughter ad. The guitar player from slaughter had a Robin guitar. And, um, if I'm thinking as long as it's the same Robin, I'm pretty sure it's all the same Robin. And, uh, I always thought it was cool. So one day I came across one and I bought one and a, a, a Robin guitar and hold on, let me do that. Okay, cool. And this is funny. When I say this is funny again, it, it don't be, it won't be that impressive. Okay. Again, please be patient as I figure out where that went. Okay. Huh. Hold on. Sometimes. Hold on. There it is. Okay, so why this is interesting is is um, uh, I had one. That's basically what I'm trying to say. I had a Robin guitar, and I it has a really distinct headstock, and I thought that was really cool. And I can't remember for the life of me why I got rid of it. It wasn't anything wrong with the guitar or anything. It just, you know, things move on sometimes. But here's why this is interesting. But for some reason, if you're familiar with this concept, like when I, like this logo that you see on my shirt, um, the logos that I have, the things you do when you have a business, you have logos. I'm not an artist by any means. You'll see in a second why I'm definitely can say that. Um, and, but when I have somebody make something, I have to give them a concept. It, you know, it usually goes to Ralph or my wife and I go, okay, here's the concept of what I want. When I had this logo drawn, I drew it on a piece of paper and I gave it to my wife and I said, Hey, turn this into a, this logo. And she's like, okay. And what's funny is there's something weird that I do, which is I always draw that headstock. So I'm going to share it with you. And uh, this is it. So what you're looking at right here is the original design. For, this is my drawing. Know your gear. And that, see the Robin kind of style headstock, the fish thing? And then that's, badly enough, that's my guitar drawing. That's what I think a guitar looks like. It's kind of like got a penis, and then it's got a weird... I don't know what it's got. And then that's apparently what I think a guitar looks like, but that wouldn't be so weird. It would, if it wasn't for this, which is all the things I draw. <laughs> I mean, these weren't drawn like the same day. This was like, this was probably, I probably drew this a few years before. So even the guy with the right. And, <laughs> and then by the way, instead of know your gear was, it all starts with you. <laughs> So as you guys know, if you're out there creating stuff, you understand like your first ideas, your, your, your concepts and stuff, that's not, um, <laughs> that's, uh, that's not all how it works out. Like simple as something as a stick figure logo. I was like, yeah, I want this. I want a dude plus this guitar that has this. And what's interesting is I draw that headstock. That's the only headstock I've ever driven, drawn when I draw guitars because that guitar, that headstock just sticks in my head for some reason. But what's funny is everyone who knows me, of course, my wife and, and Ralph and everybody else, um, when they see me draw that, they just know. They don't ask me. They didn't ask me like, oh, do you really want the headstock to look like that? They just know that that's for some reason how I draw a headstock. A headstock. So I told you it wasn't going to be a great story. But uh, <laughs> that's, that's so when I hear Robin guitars, I always think like, yeah, that's how I draw the thing. 
It all starts. Yeah, Crimson's like, it all starts with you. Well, I was like, I what happened was I drew the dude plus a guitar equals thing, and I go, oh, it has to have something underneath it. And I go, it all starts with you. Because again, it's the dude plus the guitar, right? Starts with you. And I was like, oh, that's that makes sense. And then uh, <laughs> uh, Carl Collins says, yeah, you truly are awful at art. I am. I have no conceptual drawing abilities at all. I can't do anything. Um, I just know what I want something to look like. Like, um, I was very, like I said, hey, I want this guitar and I want the neck. And this is what I told her. Let's. I don't know if I can go back to the picture. So it'll make sense. Oh, see, so think about this. So this is what she got. Let me go back here. I said, I want a guitar and I want the Know Your Gear to be the neck. And then I want the guitar to be blue, but I only want to be an outline. And I want the headstock to be gold. And I only want to be a headline or the uh, outline. Sorry, not headline, outline. And uh, and then she drew that. And I said, okay, that's exactly what I want. I want that blue and the gold. And I have no reason for why this is blue and this is gold. I, I just wanted it that color. So there you go. The things that come up when we talk on a, this. Okay. We have Music Therapy Lads who says, hey, Phil, uh, come, come. I know you're not probably going, but if you do, call me. Oh, okay. You're talking. He's probably talking about uh, to, uh, to the AM show. Yeah, I'm not going. But if I did, I would let you know. Uh, Jeremy says, I hung all my, I hung my guitars. They all went flat. What gives? Y yeah, tuning-wise, that's possible. That happens. And they'll go sharp, too, sometimes. It doesn't hurt the guitar, but it is, it's something to do. Well, obviously, it has nothing to do with hanging them. Just they're out. They're in the environment, and they will do that. So, Groovy Music Lessons says, get a logo on that hat. You know, I'll tell you, uh, I'll tell you, Scott, because you will appreciate this. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I only would tell this, I swear, I would, only, I would never tell this if it wasn't for Scott Grove asking. Because I think only Scott Grove could understand this. Uh, I hope you do. <laughs> I know I'm a, a, a nice person by nature. I am nice. I know that as a whole uh, over my life. Um, however... I do have an ornery side like anyone else. And one of the things that's funny is, is sometimes when people complain about things on the channel, I, there's something instinctive in me that's like, instead of correcting it, I just want to make it, I want to double down. So I had a guy and I, and again, he could be watching right now. And I mean, no offense to you, sir, but I just, it's my personality. He made a comment that when I pour water out of my little, I call it a canteen, but the thermos into my cup, he's like, it's loud. And then for, I'm like, okay, <laughs> well, it's because I'm talking for two hours and I need water. <laughs> so what I did is I didn't say anything to him. If you didn't notice, I started doing this where I would hold the cup and I would pour the water right in front of the microphone. <laughs> and I would do it more obnoxiously each week. And my wife, it made her laugh because she knows that that's part of my personality is like, I'm, I'm, I'm spiteful like anybody. It's like, so... Uh, so basically that's what I was doing it for. And then, um, when I had the checkmark hat, which my Vans, I, I had the, it's, it's not a checkmark. It's a Vans hat. I had a Vans hat and everybody's like, why do you have a checkmark on your hat? And it's funny because it was, it looks like a checkmark and it's a question show. And I thought, oh, well, it's a Vans hat. And I would say it every couple weeks. It's, it's a Vans hat. And, uh, 
And then, and then I told my wife, I go, okay, well, we need to get logo hats. So I bought a ton of hats and I started wearing them to see which ones I like. And this is the one I like. This shape, this dad hat is the one I like. So I wore it and it didn't take one show, one show somebody put, I can't stand that logo, the hat has no logo. You need to get a logo. Otherwise I can't watch your videos anymore. That's what they put. So this is probably, I got to come clean. I have a logo downstairs hat. I have a hat that says the geeky stuff. <laughs> and she made the hat for me and I'm refusing to wear it because I'm wearing this hat out of spite on the idea that it's for some reason, I get a little enjoy knowing that for some reason it's making somebody crazy, which I can't understand why. Why do you even care? I'd rather, <laughs> so so Scott, that I will. In fact, somebody put a nice hat this week and I said, yeah, it came with a free bowl of soup. Um, but it is time. I am gonna, I have decided that it's, that's why I thought it was funny you mentioned that. I had decided uh, sometime this week or last week, I decided that I'm gonna probably switch and start wearing the, a logoed hat. Brian says, don't get on Phil's bad side. You know what it is? It's just an inside joke for me. That's the only thing that's stupid. It's really what it is. It's me pouring the water and me having the hat. It's to take some, it's to take something where some, and Scott gets it because he's been on YouTube for a long time. And people, you know, some people are trolling you and some people just say weird things. And to me, they're totally, totally different things. Like people who are trolling and, and being assholes, that, that happens. You just deal with that. But sometimes like when people get upset about something, you're like, hey, why is that bugging you? And why do I have to change? <laughs> so, um, uh, so anyways, uh, <laughs> so Landon says, nah, nah, put no logo on it. I, well, you know, what's funny was, um, we, I had talked, she couldn't do it. I asked her about just, can you make me a logo that's black and then put the black logo on the black hat and she was going to do it, but, uh, didn't work out. So there'll be a logo, but yeah, I get it. So that's why I said I was just riding this out, just like the pouring the water obnoxiously. Last week was the first time, and if you, so don't go back to the shows, but if you do, you can verify what I just told you. If you look at the last 10 shows, at least, I had been pouring the water in front of, you guys can't see the microphones right here, but now knowing that the microphone is where you see it, and for those listening, it's literally, it's literally at my chest line. Um, it's just out of frame. When you see me hold the cup, you can see that I'm actually pouring in front of the mic and you could hear it, especially on the podcast. Um, last week was the first time that I pulled the cup away and poured off to the side. And then I go, okay, then I think I'm over it now. So I don't know. <laughs> so like I said, it's sometimes when you do this gig, you have to find ways to entertain yourself, to keep going. You got to have fun. You have fun with people, but sometimes it's just got to be about you <laughs> for a second, right? We just gotta have some fun. And, uh, and hopefully have some fun too. And again, all the people that made the comments or the people that made the comments that I'm talking about, I, I, like I said, I'm not trying to upset you. I'm just trying to not take it seriously what you're saying. That's basically the takeaway from this is sometimes you just got to let it like roll off your shoulder. Like, you know, in the down, in the, in the grand scheme of things, I'm going to drink water when I talk for two hours and I don't have a logo on my hat <laughs> and everything will be fine. I promise for a little while. Um, so, uh, in theory app says I'm starting to want a Japanese lawsuit guitar 
Am I looking for Gibson style copies? Any tips? Well, again, technically, technically, I know we always say this, there was no lawsuit guitars because it wasn't a technical lawsuit. And more importantly, it was a cease and desist and it was really only given to Ibanez. So all the other guitars that we refer to as lawsuit guitars, like Electra and, uh, and uh, Hondo, and I mean, there's so many of them, uh, Lotus, um, they weren't actually ever served. <laughs> so, so you know, Gibson never sent them a cease and desist. They only sent it to Ibanez. Everybody kind of just got the sense of it. I think that's kind of like the, you know, it's like once you, once, you, once you kill one in front of everybody else, everybody knows that you mean business. So I think once they sent the letter to Ibanez, I think everybody chilled out. I don't know that for sure. I could always find out from Ron to find out if that's exactly what happened, but that's what seemed to happen. Um, so, no, here's what I would say. A lot of those guitars are revered as being very good because they were made in Japan. They were good quality. Um, and you can pick them up sweet, you know, for sweet money. The thing I caution everybody now is now they're not dirt cheap. And, and sometimes it's a weird thing to me when something is known as being good. Cause, and part of it being good is that it's a great price. Then it becomes crazy expensive or expensive it being good, it's not less good now, but it's less desirable to me. So to me, wanting a, like, uh, isn't Greco also? Yes, uh, thank you. Uh, Greco is also, Greco is also considered in that. To me, those guitars are great. Takai, Greco, Hondo, Lotus, um, you know, it goes on. There's actually a, a few other brands we're missing too. Um, great guitars. And if you could pick one up for, for less than you can get a quality current priced Les Paul copy guitar, do it. Because there's collectability to it. There's interesting, like I said, it's an interesting conversation. It plays great. It's going to be cool. However, however, you know, sometimes I see them and they're going for money. Like you could buy a, I don't want to say a real guitar, but you can buy something else and save some money. So that's, that's the thing. Uh, that's my only cautionary uh, to you. Like for instance, if you're, and if you're interested in a well-made Japanese guitar, there are current brands um, like, uh, FGN, Fujian, right. Uh, that also, there are other great, uh, made Japan guitars that you can find right now on the market that aren't lawsuit air guitars, but you'll find a, a quality like that. You know, uh, another one is Edwards. Great guitars, Edwards. Uh, if you can find a made in Japan Edwards or a FGN, uh, a Gibson style guitar, you will find a great guitar and they're not going to be inexpensive, but they might be in that same price range of those, old kind of off-brand lawsuit era guitars. Brian's also saying Edwards is a great brand. Absolutely. So, um, Pablo says, Hey, Phil, uh, do hand-built instruments by master luthiers appreciate the same as, say, Gibson's vendors? They do not. They can, but they mostly do not. Probably nine out of ten do not. My Japanese knife guitar builder is Chris, and I'm going I'm to say Forshage. I'm sorry, Forshage? S-H-A-G-E? Forshage? We'll say Chris. I apologize if I didn't get the name right. Uh, check him out. He's out of Austin. There is definitely a cool factor to having a guitar built by a, a luthier, uh, a master luthier or a luthier. Um, but the... The problem is, is this, the, the thing that really, really drives a brand in our industry is not so much the builders, it's the players. Um, 
that's just my opinion, but it's it's going to be it's a well received opinion by a lot of you right now, which is Fender made a great Strat, but Jimi Hendrix sold it. Jeff Beck sold Strats. Eric Clapton sold Strats. You know, um, that's who sells those guitars. Um, Gibson's, you know, uh, you know, um, uh, Peter Frampton, <laughs> Slash, Jimmy Page, they sold Les Pauls. And so because they did, then we have a desire to buy them and own them. And that's what holds their values because you have somebody looking for it. The problem with a lot of smaller builders is they make a great guitar, sometimes far superior than anybody else's production guitar. However, it's not attached to anything emotionally that anybody understands that, are, you know, that they desire. And that's just a, a factor of that. Um, I've said this before. I used this analogy once many years ago with a guitar company, and it seemed to help uh, when we were trying to, we were discussing an issue. And I was saying that um, my actually, I said, this is why I say this. I actually said um, the opposite of what I just said now when I said, you know, Jimmy Page, uh, you know, uh, Jimi Hendrix, uh, Peter Frampton, all those guys sold guitars. But I actually don't believe that to be true exactly. That's only partially true. And this is why I want to be clear. I really believe this. I believe this. Guitar players, we don't buy guitars because of guitar players for the most part. We buy guitars because of music. And the analogy that I like is this, is that uh, you go to a restaurant and hold on. you go to a restaurant and you have an amazing meal. I've told this story before, but I figured it's time to tell it again. Go to a restaurant, you have an amazing meal. And you don't know who the chef is and you don't care for the most part. But this meal was so amazing. It was the best, best meal you've ever had. So you ask, can I meet the chef? And the chef comes out and you shake his hand and you tell him how great it is. And now you, you, know, you, you like the chef. And the chef leaves the restaurant and goes to work at another restaurant you actually follow him to the next restaurant because you're like, I'm going to go to that new restaurant because I like that chef. The chef was never anything without the food. I know it's a food analogy, but please stick with me. Same thing with music. Jimmy Page, Jimi Hendrix, all these guitar players, you hear their album. The album is amazing. Now you want to know who they are. Now you want to know about them. Now you love them just like you love your music. And the reason I say that is because it's very important that that happened that way. It's because it's going to ha be how it happens. And so that becomes the, the crutch that everybody deals with. And even the big companies. And so, you know, the story, that story I just told you, I actually was telling that story to Paul Reed Smith Guitars. This is over a decade ago when I was explaining that that's their problem. Because they were talking about Gibson and Fender. We were just talking and they were talking about how, you know, they want to be the next Fender Gibson. They want to be better than Fender and Gibson. You know, everybody wants to do out, out you know, beat somebody else. And I was explaining that the problem is, is those guys were in the, they were at the right time. They, they started all this stuff. So all the great albums have their instruments in it. And that's a tough thing to beat because let's face it, by the time most artists, including Santana, started playing PRSs, they had made a lot of great albums and they still made a lot of great albums with PRS, but it's really like the, they needed to be right when it started. So, so that's the thing about, small luthiers is that they build a great guitar, but there's not a mass market for them because people are really connected to the music. And then the things that make the music become important, which is why I think about this ties back to the Saldana, the mini Saldana, what they're tapping into. That's what that company's tapping into. They're tapping into the fact that 
somebody like me, Queensryche played Saldano's. I love Queensryche. George Lynch had a Saldano. Eddie Van Halen had a Saldano. Um, uh, uh, Steve Ray Vaughan had a Saldano. <laughs> so to me, when I see it, it's like this, it's this piece of the ingredients that made those amazing, all that amazing music. And so when I see it, it has this special effect on me. Same thing reason with Marshalls, same reason all this stuff. Gibsons, Fenders, you see this stuff and it just literally, it's connected to that music. So it always is going to start and be most important, the music. So that's why uh, a, a master luthier who makes an amazing guitar has a trouble getting the resale value of this other thing because they don't, have a, they don't have a built-in audience for it. They don't have a built-in person looking for it. Okay, that was funny. Benjamin uh, made a comment. He says, it all starts with you. Uh, Art, is an NFT coming soon? <laughs> uh, uh, oh, you know what? That was good. I like that. Thank you for the, that, that made me laugh. Yes, that would be a, that would be a hor horrible NFT. Um, the thing, the thing you don't have to ever worry about is I'll never have an NFT because, uh, <laughs> there's just well first i've already talked about we talked about nfts before and and bitcoins and all that stuff uh cryptocurrency but the thing about nfts is i'll never make an nft don't worry about it <laughs> because think about this i already won't do a signature guitar or pedal or an amp because i already kind of find that not not a good deal for me it's not a good deal for you is basically it there's no reason why we we should do that um and definitely nft is like 10 times worse than that in my mind I just don't, you know what it is? I don't ever want to do anything where I'm like, <laughs> I don't know what I'm, I don't know what I'm trying to say. I don't want to do something where somebody gets screwed. That's how I kind of feel. It's like, man, this just sounds like horrible. Groovy Music Lesson says, you got to stand way back. Cross your eyes to see Phil's art come to focus. You know, you gotta. You know, if the only reason it's cool about telling that story is, I hope that really helps you appreciate uh, <laughs> what people have to do when they translate crazy into something like that. <laughs> it was, oh man. Oh, Curtis. He says John Mayer recorded all of his significant tunes with the Fender Strat, not the Pierre Silver Sky. That's exactly my point. Um, and that's why, so you know, that whole conversation, what that was, and I've, I've said this before, I don't know if I've ever told you guys this. See, sometimes I have these conversations with companies or owners of companies, uh, and then we do the show, and I go, I can't remember if that's something I talked to you guys about or them. And in I told you guys this story, 2009, the recession's huge and PRS flies me out. I've told this whole story and we have this discussion about the market and all this other stuff. And one of the things I told them, told Paul specifically was one of the problems at that time, in my opinion, with Paul Reesmith guitars was they didn't have a, a, um, oh, why am I facing it? I apologize. They didn't have a, <laughs> what's it called? Um, What's the thing? I'm um, somebody help me. I, I'm sorry, guys. I'm spacing it. What's the thing called with Steve I, Joe Saturani, Paul Gilbert? What is that thing called? That show? I don't know why I'm spacing it. Um. Anyone? <laughs> eh, 
No, not an endorsement. No, the show that the G3. Thank you, Floopity Doo. The G3. What happened was I mentioned I made a comment off the cuff to Paul Reed Smith that I said, hey, you build guitars that are about um, performance. In other words, how good they are, right? How how well they play. And to me, you need to have a G3 guy. That's what I told him. I said, you don't have that person. You need a G3 guy. And a G3 guy is not just the people that are in G3, like Paul Gilbert and, and Joe and Steve, but it's all the people that can be. And I said, think about, when you think of the G3 tour, think about how crazy this is. It's Paul Gilbert's Ibanez, Steve I's Ibanez, Joe's Ibanez. Uh, you got Petrucci, he's music man. You got Eric Johnson, that's Strats, Ingve Strats, Fender. If you look at the G3 tour, it's mostly like a couple guitar brands that are just notoriously known for you know, these artists. And I said, you need a G3 person. You need somebody who you need a player and you need to get them before it's, they've put out 30 albums and they're considered on their back end of their, of their career because you, you want, you want that next guy to make that great instrumental album. You know, um, look, Cliffs of Dover had to sell a lot of strats, right? Um, they just had to have. So, uh, and same thing with Yngwie, he sold a lot of strats. Steve I sold a lot of Ibanez's. So that's why they needed a G3 person. Generation X was awesome. Think about that. You had Nuno Bencourt. You had uh, Zach Wild, and Zach Wild was, I think, playing his, grand, uh, his brand at that time. Um, and so, like I said, think about that. And for the most part, uh, oh, Phil Collin was in G3, right? He had a Jackson. Uh, so think about it. If you think about all the people that had ever been on that, think of those players. And I go, that's the, the player you need. And so that's why I said, back to that analogy, I said, you need a player to make amazing albums with your guitar because it will never, that will, that's the thing about that's going to, that's going to carry Fender and Gibson forever, forever and ever and ever. That's why people are like, it's going to, you know, like people are like, are anybody going to care about Fender and Gibson's 30 years? Well, only if they stop caring about those albums and think about this, those albums now are actually more popular now than they were then. Because everyone has, I've said this before, everybody, especially our age and older, has a very warped perspective of what was popular. You know, you, you think in your head, you think of the bands that you love, these rock metal bands, and you think, oh, they were super huge. They were just super huge. And then now go back, go on Google, because now that we don't have to go off our you know, off our hip with just feelings and emotions. They were the biggest band ever. Go and look and watch how they were putting out a fraction of the albums compared to the pop music and the rap music and the disco music and go back as far as you want. Rock metal has never been a huge genre. They were never that big. And so we kind of in our heads like, oh, they were huge. And I'm like, mm, not really, not when you look at the numbers. And so, like I said, the rock metal albums stick around forever because there's not a lot of them and they are, they were, they were amazing and they'll be amazing for another 30 years. <laughs> oh, here's a funny thing. Superjet 13 says, get Mark Germani or Carlos Santana on G3. Uh, and there are PRS, LOL. You know, what's funny about that is in this discussion I had, I asked the question, this is back, like I said, in 2009, I said, I said, I have a question. What's the number one selling artist guitar? And they said, at the time it was Tremonti. And I go, really? And they said, yeah, it was Tremonti was the number one selling artist guitar. And I said, oh, and they said, and I said, I guess that's not very shocking because he made all those Creed albums with a PRS. And 
What's funny is I know deep down right now, musicians uh, kind of like want to laugh like, oh, Creed. But go go look. Like I said, go look at the album sales. Creed was like four time diamond selling albums. Those are huge numbers. So it, those albums, you know, they made. And But more importantly, he played Mesa Boogies and PRSs on those albums. So if you're a fan of those albums, that's going to be the gear you're a fan of. So there you go. Okay. Hold on a second. <laughs> Some of you guys are talking about. Yeah, Ho Hobo Roadie says rock was a total niche. All the chicks in mini skirts were in the pop shows. Um, you know, r rightly so. I, I was going to say something, but no, you're right. It's definitely, like I said, it's very few rock bands ever get into the, the same size as pop music does. Um, okay. Yeah, Timothy said, with arms wide open was everywhere. Same thing. They get that big hit. It was huge. All right. I think we covered everything today. Let's double check. I'm sorry about the internet crashing for a moment. I don't know what that was. Um, but I thank you guys for getting through it with me. Uh, and uh, and it, also, I hope you guys enjoyed uh, that little kind of going over the NAM stuff. <laughs> Man, a lot of talk about Creed now. And then, you know what? We'll end with this since Sean, Sean picked a good subject again. Sean says, Phil, ha have you ever checked out Polyphia? Uh, that new video, uh, the theme. Uh, so the new video is something God, right? I apologize. I don't remember the name. Uh, Nylon String Ivan is, is it going to be a trend, start a trend. So I'm a fan of Polyphia. I interviewed them, both uh, Scott and Tim. And, um, and uh, there's a video on my channel of me. Uh, and uh, it's the most hilarious thing ever, that video, because it's like, I look just like, I look like their dad. I'm just like hanging out and I kind of feel like their dad. I feel like a bunch of good kids. <laughs> I like what you do here. And uh, anyways, uh, great guys. And so I got to interview them and talk to them and, and uh, man, talented beyond all, all belief. I, I got to uh, not watch them perform. I got them watch them practice and and it was so impressive, very impressive guitar playing. I like Polyphia. It's something different, but still familiar, which is good. Um, if you haven't checked out Polyphia, guys, here's what I can tell you. There's a song called Goat, which is obviously the greatest of all time. Goat is what I would check out. And then I, the new song, and I, I'll just, so I don't guess, let me actually tell you what it is. It's something God, right? Um it's called Playing God. So the two songs I would highly recommend from them is Goat and Playing God. Um, and uh, no matter what music you're into, you will probably find it very interesting. Um, it's definitely different. They are, they are um, who I use Tim the, and Scott, but mostly Tim, to explain to friends the difference in writing styles. Um, it's so different and the way that they write. They start with like the drum tracks <laughs> and then they kind of put the music on top instead of writing the riffs and stuff. And it's very, very cool. 
stuff. So yeah, I'm a fan of that, Sean. Very, very cool. And like I said, I, uh, and you can always check out the interview I did with them. They were very cool guys. And that was a very nice opportunity for me to get to, uh, interview them. And they cost me money because I ended up buying a guitar because of them. That's why I ended up liking the AZ series so much because they play the Ibanez AZ series. It's a, just like I said, perfect example, right? I hear the song Goat. I love that. I love the tone. I think, ah, oh, I'm going <laughs> to get their guitar um, and do it. Uh, Red-Eyed Flutist said Boomer Bins. Yes, Tim from Polyphia is the one that told Rick Beato. I didn't see the interview, but I got the thing on Guitar World that uh, he's sick of boomer bins. Uh, by the way, he's not the only one to talk smack about bins. You know, Yngwie talks smack about bins. Um, in fact, even there's a really strange, before we say anything about Tim from Polyphia on boomer bins, which is obviously great modern marketing thinking, right? He could have called it blues bins, but he knew he would, pun he knew he was poking the bear, right? He was really trying to piss off all the older folk, uh, <laughs> which is what he's supposed to do. Young kids are supposed to piss us off. That's what I did when I was young. I'm so much nicer now. Weren't we all kind of jerks? Um, and if you weren't, good for you. But the rest of us were really kind of trying to piss off the our folks. Um, so yeah, that's what he's supposed to do. But the funniest video that I almost can't recommend, but it's so strange, is um, is Marty Friedman. So I, I'll put, if I can find it when I do the index, I'll put it right here on the index. It's him and Guitar World or somewhere. He's being interviewed and he's talking about bins and how horrible they are. And it's just so crazy what he's saying. Um, I just didn't know how to take it. I still don't know how to take it this day. He's like, can we stop doing bins? And I'm like, um, I don't know what it is about people and hating bins. <laughs> I, I guess, I guess. Uh, the only thing I learned from all that is uh, me on my wah pedal doing bends must piss off people. So if you haven't learned anything from my pouring my water in my hat, I'm going to do more bends and play more wah pedal. <laughs> in fact, I'm going to let you guys go so I can practice my bends and wah pedal. All right, guys. Thank you so much for hanging out with me this Friday. Until next Friday, I hope you guys have a great weekend and a great week. Practice guitar, have fun, and as always, uh, thank you for your time and know your gear. <laughs>